Right, hi and welcome back to Real Opinions. It's generally that we pick one film to talk about in depth and then just waffle into the news or whatever we feel like talking about for however long it is. Because I won't say it for a short amount of time because I know that will mean that it will drag out for an hour. But today we're going to be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, Salazar's Revenge or Dead Men Tell No Tales depending on where you live. What do we have? We have Salazar's Revenge, don't we? Yeah. I, I prefer... Dead Men Tell No Tales as a title until they yeah. said it in the film and then I was like okay well at least we were saved from them <laughs> saying the title of the film within the film <laughs> so it, there's pros and cons I think but um, well, what, what were your thoughts rough thoughts on it um, well the thing is I, I don't like the franchise that much uh, the first film I, I, I used to like it quite a bit as a kid I rewatched it recently and found that a lot of the things that annoy me about the franchise now are actually still in the first film. So I have definitely even grown tired of the good ones. Second one, you know, it's okay. But then after that, I I hate the third and fourth one. So I had very low expectations for this. I, I, I expected to hate it. And I didn't hate it. That's the nicest thing I have is like, it didn't make me that angry. I thought that the plot was a complete mess that felt like it was literally being made up on the spot. The rules, the character motivations, the sudden appearances of MacGuffins and like legends and things felt like a kid in a playground making up the rules to a game so that he can win. Like just suddenly like, oh, I, you can't go on land. Oh, if we break this thing, then all curses will stop and the plot will convenient. It just, it, it, it was, it, it was really kind of lazy in that respect. All of the things that annoy me about the old films are kind of still here. I think Captain Jack is very annoying, and I think that Johnny Depp has completely forgotten how to do the voice, which was really quite strange. Uh, the humour was awkward and strange, but, you know, it, it, it had some okay set pieces. I didn't find it as obnoxiously boring or pretentious as the third film and I felt like it had more energy and and more entertainment value than the really crappy fourth film so it was like a, a step in the right direction but not enough to give me any faith in this franchise again yeah yeah I pretty much just had the same as you I didn't know why what I was expecting going mm. in like I, I didn't come out thinking any less of the franchise but it certainly didn't redeem it at all a very average film all the way through. Uh, I said to you, I thought that I found the fourth one the most boring one, just because it was so drab, yeah. dragged quite a lot. But I felt that at least also, that one... Also, weirdly, the most expensive film ever made. Yeah, yeah. And you, there's nothing that like there's nothing that jumps to mind that makes me think, oh yeah, that's why. Yeah, I know. But I don't know what... Probably just Johnny Depp. That was on on the it. on this latest one. It ha- I can't remember. There was a, a news story about the 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 snack budget, not even the catering budget, the snack budget, and oh. it was in it was quite excessive. So it isn't like yeah. any reason that's on screen. It is just excessive spending on nothing. It's just poor poor budget management. That's that's all. Yeah, I remember you. I remember you pointing that out because it was a, a two million dollar snack budget. Jesus Christ! Can you imagine just Two million dollars yeah. of snacks. Just, exactly. Just, it's, like if you put that into a pile, I un- I understand that filming on water is notoriously expensive, mm. but half of the films 
aren't set on it's not a like water world where it's you know completely at war at sea they, they go on islands they go to cities they they're not at sea all the time there's no reason for these to be the most expensive films ever made but anyway no, you you were no. you were saying that this one was less boring than the fourth film yeah i so i'd say that excluding the it feels weird to call them the original trilogy. But it's excluding the first three. The, the Gore Verbinski films. Yeah. So the fourth one I found, at least it had like, at least it it felt like it had a through line all the way. Like we- it, it felt like it knew where it was going at all points, even though it was a very boring way it was going. And I didn't care about anyone. Which film are you talking about here? The fourth one? Yeah, the fourth one this is. Okay. Like, it, again, introducing more characters that you don't care about whatsoever. At least <laughs> I felt like it stuck with... The way it was going at all times. This one, more entertaining, bringing back more of the characters that at least I somewhat care slightly more than mm. someone that's just been introduced. But like you said, it felt like it was making it up as it went along. It really does. I mean, I think that of all of them, I don't want to pick like single out this film because I think the third film is the worst offender for that, where it is just like, oh, she turns into a giant and then explodes into crabs and then that makes a whirlpool. Why? Who cares? I don't know. Like, my my reaction to this franchise isn't that much anger, isn't that much positivity. It's just mostly confusion. (laughs) Like, most of the time, like, characters are changing sides or allegiances or someone's suddenly a good guy or suddenly a bad guy or a new MacGuffin is introduced that has an inexplicable power or there's thousands of Johnny Depps and then there's a giant lady and there's crabs. And my reaction isn't cool. My reaction isn't this is stupid. My reaction is mostly just why? Like, I can't go on land. Why? Oh, we only a woman can see this under certain stars on an eclipse. Why? Why any of this? Why does any of this... It's just It does feel like making it up as it goes along. The thing that I always remember as well is that when they, whenever they seem to have like these kind of stories where they have the, the book that reveals everything mm. or the, the map that reveals... How, how did the person find like get that far but not find the actual treasure or anything like that? Or how yeah. did they... How do you... I do not know like in modern day how you make a book that only lights up on a certain night of the year, like reacts to a certain star sign or whatever. And mm. that's it. Oh. Yeah, but that's because you don't I have mean, the power that's... of lazy screenwriting. <laughs> but um, it also, the weird thing with this one, and the more I thought about it, every single Pirates of the Caribbean film, is how much they're all the same film. Yes, definitely. I know that this is something that gets said about loads of franchises, but it's not always strictly speaking true. There are obviously characters and beats that will repeat in sequels because you want more of the thing you liked the first time. But every Pirates film is basically the same. It's some supernatural force that has some kind of grudge with Johnny Depp and wants to no longer be a zombie army and want to return to being humanity are looking for a thing that two bland, boring British people who are in love are looking for as well. And Captain Jack Sparrow gets roped in with them on a journey where they're pursued by the British army and Barbosa suddenly gets involved. It's that the villains yeah. are the same in all that. It's always an undead pirate crew that don't want to be an undead pirate crew anymore. Be they the skeletons from the first one, the Dutchmen, who are basically undead pirates too, 
who don't want to be undead pirates anymore. And then there was like Blackbeard's crew in the fourth one. And then in this one, that's what Salazar is as well. They don't want that curse. They don't want to be zombie pirates anymore. They're the same every time. This one what I think was the closest, because at least with like Davy Jones, that's an established thing. Mm. Like Davy Jones is like, that. that's a reference that people would know anyway. Yeah. And because he's uh, he's effectively like the Grim Reaper. Yeah. It's still a similar transition, but again, it's the same plot. When it got to the fourth one with Blackbeard, at least it was slightly different. Again, not like creatively, of course, just because he was trying to look for immortality. Like it was mm. the reverse. But this one, it was so obviously just like people <laughs> yeah. liked Black Pearl, didn't they? Let's yeah. just do that one. Let's, let's, let's replace have... the bland, forgettable love interest characters with different bland, forgettable love interest characters. Exactly, and it was like, I mean, it's the same company, well, it's Disney, that did The Fourth Awakens. Yeah. And they are definitely trying to force Awakens it as well, because even like similar scenes where, you know, the scene in the first film when uh, the zombies walk underwater on the seabed and yeah. then attack the ship. In this one, they don't walk on the seabed, they walk on the water. <laughs> yeah. That's the only difference. And then they slaughter the British. Yeah. It's very, very close. And again, the only thing that changes is the set pieces. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like those zombie sharks that appear on the poster and basically have the exact same amount of time on screen (laughs) in the film. I do do think, as much as you say the set pieces change, they do, and they they obviously do. I'm I'm, I'm obviously being slightly unfair here. But they only change a little. It is still basically a sword fight... In a piece of environment that is moving in some sense. That's that's always what it is. It's a sword fight on a wheel, on the swinging mast of a ship, or, or, or on cannons in this one. Running between cannons. It's always just a sword fight on something that's moving, usually tilting. Well, again, it's, it's that they, they always establish it. that um, Going back to your formula of Jack, Jack Sparrow gets roped in at some point, the first... Like, the first big set piece is always Captain Jack Sparrow either trying to steal something or escape imprisonment. Yeah. Like, it's, and it's always, like, that's the first way of how he gets roped in with these two characters or how he first interacts with them. Because in the first one, it's him escaping. Um, mm. In the second one, it's him escaping again, I think. Uh, in the fourth one, it's him escaping the British. Yeah. In this one, it's him robbing something, so it's slightly different, but then after he's robbed it, he's escaping the people. And then there's always a comedy execution scene as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always like he always is just about to get murdered. <laughs> the one thing that I did like with this one, though, was that was the... Uh, th- there were little things, like little little moments of creativity that I did like with this. Yeah, which yeah, I think there was. What, as, as that, that's what I like about... Pirates of the Caribbean, at least, is that when you look to these set pieces that they have throughout the series, is that there's always the spark of an idea that makes it interesting. Like, I liked the the shot where uh, with the guillotine spinning and yeah. the knife gets closer and closer to his neck. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's ridiculous, but at least it had a tiny bit of, like... Like, it, there's not many Disney films where it could show a character almost getting decapitated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what I liked about this one much more than I did about the third one and to my vague recollection the fourth one was that this felt like the most swashbuckling and fun like they got increasingly dire and drab and dark and this one had that moment that was like look it's it's slapsticky and silly and like that's that's what I want from something based on a ride I don't want it to start with children being hung like the third film did. I wouldn't have called the first one completely 
fun, like as, as in it was it had darker. danger. You said that they kind of got a bit drab or a bit like mopey. Yeah, mopey. Whereas the whole point of the first one was that it was dark. It wasn't mopey. It was dark, but it was fun. Dark. It was like yeah, kids exactly. scary. Not yeah. Not like yeah. oh, I'm gonna die and we'll be seeing each other every ten years and oh, I'm I'm an eternity on this boat and here's some children being hung. And it was <laughs> it, it, it was it was like oh, scary skeletons. And they cut. They, they did. They did try to sort of bring this back, but I never felt. It never felt like either as fun mm. as the first two or as dark as the first two. It just kind of felt like they were going for a halfway safe mm. franchise, but also harkening back a tiny bit to the originals. Yeah, but it, for me, it was a minor step in the right direction. Still, the comedy was weak, though. The the we, me and you talked about the uh, the the carry on humor, which is something I yeah. I, I don't want to take credit for. It. It's something that Mark Commode said, but I listened to Mark Commode's review right. before I saw it and could not not notice it. Yeah. Just all the, like, ooh, a woman's not looked at my telescope in years, and, and it was bizarre. Yeah. Really I don't know, strange. I don't know what audience that is for. No. Because, I mean, it's it's above young kids, and then teenagers, I don't think they would find that anything but cringy. Yeah, that's it. I don't know who, I don't know who finds that stuff funny. Clearly someone does, because those carry-on films existed at one point. Well, that's the thing, is that they're meant, to, is that they're knowingly kind of... They're knowingly bad, mm. is what my impression of is that it's the the idea is that it's kind of like a caravan park like comedy. Yeah, uh, like it's it's you know that you're 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 going in for something stupid and slight very, uh, like softly seedy, <laughs> as I suppose I word it. But again, with this one, it's not like I you go in for Pirates of the Caribbean for mm. those jokes. You go in like you said for the swashbuckling. Yeah. And and at one point in time, you went for Johnny Depp, and now that is the last thing that I go for, because he has completely lost any semblance of what this character was. Like, he's gone from doing that Keith Richards impression to now just drunken slurring that doesn't sound... It sounds like someone doing impression. It sounds like a bad entertainer at Disneyland trying yeah. to be... It doesn't yeah. sound like Captain Jack Sparrow anymore. It's just sort of going like... And it doesn't sound anything like him anymore. And he's just got increasingly cartoonish. In the first Pirates of the Caribbean, if you rewatch that one, yeah, he's a comedy-ish character, but he's still a character with, with you know motivations yeah uh, a degree of like uh, something that you can understand you can understand his thought processes and everything and he's and not he's, just a moron that just goes along no. with everything and he and he's actually somewhat dark at times and selfish yeah. and things like that. but but here he is just a loud turned up to 11 caricature like waving his arms around and talking gibberish and it's 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 what I think they call it the Flanders Flandersization I think. Oh, which, okay, I get which what you is mean ba- where basically like the first few seasons of The Simpsons, Flanders was like yeah he was a nice neighbor and he was religious, but he was still sort of a, a relatively grounded character. And then as it's gone along, he became more and more diddly dokely and <laughs> like more and more of a pushover and became like such a heightened version of his character. 
Yeah. And and that's sort of what's happened here. Like, he's not Captain Jack Sparrow anymore. He's just someone who looks like Captain Jack Sparrow and waves his arms around. And he completely betrays how he would have pref- done the character before. Mm. Not just Johnny Depp, but the the script writing. One of the main the things that he has with his character is that he's kind of he's got the black pearl the ship. Yeah. And he's got the compass that he doesn't want to give up for four films. He doesn't want to give up and he, and he gives like, it repeatedly holds on to it. And then just yeah, for no That was easily one of my least favorite plot points because it was we've talked about it making it was, crap up, but now yeah. it's making crap up that that doesn't make any sense with the previous four films. Like yeah. when you make something up about a MacGuffin from other that that compass has gone through so much. Like he yeah. has it in the first film, then the second film they reveal that it points to whatever he wants, and it it's just like it's constantly being in, like impregnated with more importance, and it's just it's it does feel inconsistent. Like I don't want to go on about continuity or anything, but it's like hang on, since when was that a thing? Why yeah. like 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 it does just feel like they're making it up as they go along, as we've said. But to do that with a plot point from another film is just even stupider. Well, the thing is as well with with that compass is that it was a... I think it was a good grounding device for the character. Yeah. Because in the first one, it's a, it's a joke. Oh, he's got a compass that doesn't work. Yeah. Like he's kind of like, he's, he's out of it. And then in the second one, I believe it's the second one where they reveal it's, it goes to whatever you want the most. Yes. Or maybe it's at the end of the first one. And that works for his character because... You said although he has motivations like I want to do this, it kind of it gives him a bit of a they it has a moment where it'll point towards a person rather yeah. than an object or something like that. So it gives you kind of a, an emotional like resolution to something without him d- directly having to say it himself, which would contradict again everything else that he does. Yes. So it's a way to show his inner character. It's a way to easily show his inner character without betraying everything else. So that was enough of a reason, and I liked the idea of a compass that points towards what you want most in the world, because, yeah. again, they then used it for plot reasons, with the yeah. British wanting to get it so they could find what they want. And then now... But then adding this... I thought, okay, so they're going to try and link it into he got it because of Salazar or whatever. Mm. No, it's just if you get rid of the compass, it releases your worst fear. This compass but, does all kinds of stuff. But when at any point did he... one? I thought Davy Jones was his worst fear for ages. Two. Yeah, but they hadn't uh, written that one yet. So that's the thing. But that's the, but that's the thing as well is that he does he how does he even know that Salazar's alive because he just sends him into a, a hole mm. and that's it. It's not like he watches them disappear into the ether or whatever actually happens to them. How does he know that he's still alive? Why is he afraid of that? Mm-hmm. And it's just it makes it makes no sense as well. There's also the the as well as inconsistent plot points and things that feel like they're being made up as they go along, there are also things that, even though this film is so overstuffed, they add in crap that goes nowhere. There's the whole British um, thing, you know, with the British people following them. What was the point? They do nothing. They have no impact on anything. Yes, they're needed to sort of drive the Will Turner and Elizabeth... What was her fucking name? It's not Elizabeth. Just go with not Elizabeth. Yeah, they they do it to drive not Will and not Elizabeth into the adventure because they're on the run. But after that, they're like, we keep cutting back to them, talking to the witch, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to persuade them. What did the witch do? What was the point in any of it? What was the point in any of it, Jack? Because they never catch them. They never catch up to them. They never... 
I think the whole point of the British character is literally because, like you said, that they're following the formula. Yeah, exactly. It's because it's a thing from before, but they never catch them. Because in the first film, like the the British pose a compl- an extra complication, they actually catch up with them and they take Will and they take um, they take Elizabeth and they cause an extra problem. In this, they never catch them. We just keep cutting back to them chasing them, and then eventually they die and have had no impact. And then there's like the bit where they go onto that island and he's getting married. Uh, that's completely ridiculous, uh, redundant as well. Don't you find it hilarious that he's about to marry an ugly woman, though? Yeah. I kept thinking that was going to come back. I kept expecting that to have relevance again later, even if it was just comical relevance. But no. It's not just convenient plot points. It's not just things that are added in to resemble the earlier films. There's just things that absolutely go nowhere as well. I, I honestly, I have no idea why why they made such a convoluted. No, there's film. so many things that are unnecessary. It, like the the first one works because it is comparatively simple, but this is so stuffed and convoluted. Like, like, why did we need to find out his origin? You know how he got his name yeah. because he did something that that all pirates probably do at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> he, did, the, yeah. he did something that many people do, but for some reason you got a name for it. And I just, I, I feel like for some reason the answer franchises always have is that they want to explain their mysteries. Mm. Like they want to explain their characters because they're not satisfied with just adding to a character because if they add to a character, then that yeah. ruins what people originally liked about it. So they're just like, oh, let's just explain how, yeah, blah, 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 got whatever. Like, I don't need to see him getting his hat for the <laughs> no. first time. I really no. don't need that. And, and, and the, the name part was more annoying, just because what gave him his name was such... Like, why would he be named after that? He was, he was, he was stood in a place that, that is on the ship that many people would be on, d- doing yeah. something fairly... He, incons- looked, he looked like a sparrow. <laughs> oh, why, why that bird as well? Why, why that bird particularly? It's, it just it doesn't make any sense. I really don't have that much to say at all about this film, besides the fact that it is just very... I wouldn't say money-grabbing. Oh, I would. Well, it's it's money-grabbing just to make it at all. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that the filmmakers are just completely lazily trying to make it. I'd say that they're, they're very just obviously sticking to a formula, but they're trying oh. to do little things here and there, at least. Did you like any of the new characters? Because I think by this point... As we said, Johnny Depp has lost the voice, doesn't really know what he's doing, and Captain Jack's become such a caricature. And I felt like Barbosa has sort of changed character and motivation so many times that I've completely lost any sense of who he is. So it was up to the new characters for me. Did you like any of them? I No. no. <laughs> not, not one. <laughs> I mean, just, again, uh, Will Turner replacement is just... <laughs> Even yeah, blander than his father. quite impressive. He's in Gods of Egypt. He he must have learnt. Yeah. Oh, is he? Well, that, that explains the blandness. <laughs> yeah. But but they they have. It's been because the fourth one had. I I don't even remember who the fourth ones. Um, replaced. I thought it was Sam Claflin, but it might not that be might Sam be true. Claflin. The guy. It's basically just a priest that ends up loving a mermaid, and that's it. But but the po- that, but the point the is more just that I can't even remember. <laughs> to be fair, I don't remember a lot about that. Film. And, and what about? New Girl. New Girl had just as much of a purpose as the fella, but at least she tried to do something with the plot, as yeah. opposed to the guy that just 
just sits there and complains about how his father isn't there anymore. And and you know she had a character trait, which is more that I can say what, for him. You mean being a horologist? Yeah, it's more that I can say for him. That's well, he had he had. I want to get to this thing. No, no, no. But that that was which is to be fair the exact no. That same. was that was his his motivation or, or plot purpose. I'm saying that she had like an actual aspect of personality, which was yeah, true. She, like science. I hated her plot twist. Thing. Oh, you mean when they tried to make it emotional? Yeah, that was such a such a cheap mm. move. It's to the point where a film tries to make you care more, and in doing it, it actively <laughs> made me give up. It felt. It feels weird because um. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 did, I would say, a comparatively similar thing in the sense of taking a formerly villainous character and trying to make you care about them and give you an emotional punch of an ending. One of them worked really well. The other had zero impact. The thing is, is that obviously we're going into spoilers now, I suppose, if we want to ruin... If someone's really that desperate about not hearing spoilers for this film, it's it's a thing, is that he didn't even feel like it was a necessary sacrifice. No, like he could have just hold on and stepped no, down. I was confused as to why he was doing it at all. Yeah, it, it seemed completely pointless. Uh, just it, it felt like it was just like he was he was killing himself because he he suddenly got like a message from the screenwriters <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we need we need this emotional ending. Like you said, we need. Why do I need to die? Well, because the plot demands it. So and off you go. as well as that, I think it has zero, zero dramatic weight in this franchise because I'm so used to these characters dying and then coming back. He's he's well, already Barbosa's died, literally died yeah. already, and come it's, back. It just it just feels consequence free. It just feels like yeah. How how long is that going to stay a thing? It might stay a thing, but I, I don't believe it at the moment. And so if it even if it does turn out that that it's never, like, I don't know, uh, retconned. Even if it's never retconned, mm. I never, I, I still doubt it. So it's never going to have an effect. Exactly. Well, if they make another one now, it will be her trying to go back to save her father or whatever. Yeah. That That's actually, that that's the, that's the plot for the next one already. It's the obvious way to go because that's, I mean, that was the beginning of the third one, wasn't it? Yes. Let's bring back Jack back from the dead. But at least, at least in that case, I will give him a teeny sliver of credit that that was established in the second film that they were going to do that. Whereas if yeah, they do it yeah. this time, it will just be cheap. Uh, so, so do you have anything remotely positive besides, like, it's not as bad as the last two? Um, I thought that the idea of having having the race on a building... It was interesting, at least, but like you said, it was just basically that they saw all the other yeah. films have a fight that takes place on something moving, and they were yeah. like, "Which what, how is something that we can up what, the what ante? What can move this time? Yeah, exactly, what can move, um, yeah. I thought that the villains were okay, um, less so as characters, but I liked some, like I liked how the ship did that curling up thing, and I liked some of the visual things, like when the guy shot through one of them and hit someone else. Like, I, I liked, oh, I liked yeah. some yeah. of those things. I, that was the bit where it was close back to the original, yeah. wasn't it? Like I liked when they were being threatening. I did like that one bit uh, where Javier Bardem was like stabbing the boat um, to say, like, every time I do this, one of the crew members dies. Yeah, like, that felt like it had a bit of threat and menace, but not in a in in a way that still fit in with an adventurous sort of tone, like a scary villain. 
So I, I like that stuff. He wasn't great. I know Ben said that he was the best part of the film. He was okay. He was a decent villain, and I liked some of the threatening stuff that they did to try and inject some peril into it. Yeah, I think he would have worked best if, like, I remember watching that scene with the boat thing and thinking, oh, this is good. Again, it was it made him slightly more threatening, and it made him more interesting than any of the other new yeah. characters. But it, it just felt, like, sloppily made or edited or whatever. I remember thinking that in that scene specifically. Mm. It was just if it was just handled a tiny bit better, that could have been even more. Well, they didn't really tense. use it because he does it once. Then they have a full conversation, and then he does it to kill all of them. Yeah, rather than sort exactly, of punctuating but... the conversation with it every so often, which would have been would have given it some tension. He just does it once, and then exactly that's, that's it. So it was a good idea that they kind of wasted. It was just it was full of little things where you just think if you just filmed it slightly differently, like on the day, it would have just just been that much better although do change the script as well yeah <laughs> well it, it, it's like little things like it felt like the editing they they had a moment and then suddenly they're like this is a moment's over we're bored with that let's jump to the next thing go mm. go go like it felt very much like like again like you said where you say like kids change the rule <laughs> in the playground game it was kind of like them picking up a scene going like, oh, I'm having fun with this. And then the moment they're done with it, they just kind of put it down and they're like, yeah. I'm bored with this. And then they pick up the next toy and then next fun thing. And like, let's jump to that. And then suddenly this is the most important thing in yeah. the film. And it, it, it didn't have a sense of any pacing whatsoever. It was very stop-start. Yeah, I, I agree with, with that. Pacing. But the thing is, I, I would have to reiterate that everything we just said, I would basically say the same thing about the last two films anyway. There's no... I would say it's much more noticeable with really? this one. I don't I don't think it's yeah. I think I still think the third one is the worst for all of these offences that we've described. I think the third <laughs> one does all of these things just as badly, if not worse. Again, I, I have not watched the third one since it came out. I, I watched it once in the cinema. Oh me too. <laughs> and that's And it. that was enough. That was enough for you. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should rewatch it together at some point and that <laughs> could be No. No. Like <laughs> it's three hours. I've not that is that is actually... You can put it on 1.25 That is actually speed. wasting my time at that point. Like, <laughs> that, that is... No. So, would you remotely recommend it to anyone? If you have a child that you want silenced then for two hours... Then go take them to Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> or... I mean, like, I mean, like, if you've if if it's on a streaming platform and the kid has watched every other thing under then the watch sun, those things whatever, again. just just it's 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 bearable to entertain yeah. a child. I think I, for I two agree. Hours. Uh, I don't I think, think if you that there's for whatever reason love the third and fourth films, then yeah, go for it. But if if you think that the the franchise has just been consistently getting worse, then. This is this is a step up, but not enough to to like dive back into it either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not. I wouldn't recommend it to any adult. Not unless they were. I don't think. weirdly humongous. Yeah, fans. unless for some reason they were massive fans of the fact. I mean, I know people like Captain Jack Sparrow as a character, but I don't think I've met anyone that absolutely loves the fourth one. No, and and. If you like Captain Jack Sparrow as a character, I think that you might you might feel like this isn't that character that you fell in love with anymore anyway. So Yeah. Again, I think if, if someone if someone was a fan of them, yeah, I could see them kind of getting disheartened with yeah. the character because of this film. And and if you are that one person 
uh, Orlando Bloom's agent, probably, that cared about Will Turner. <laughs> you, you don't... He's, he's in it for, like, two minutes. So... Don't don't worry about that. That awful, awful like green screen reunion. Oh god! At the that, end. Where did she come from? That was one of my biggest like wait what moments in the whole film was when she was just stood there, and I was like wait the, there was like a massive open landscape that she would have had to have been walking through. She can't just appear without anyone noticing her. That's the thing is that it wasn't even a memorable location whatsoever. If it was like the first town or whatever, yeah. you know where they do the. The, the wedding in the second one or whatever, then at least it would be like a memorable location, but it's just a random <laughs> sunset yeah. hill. Like, what... Does she just live on an island on her own? And That's it. it. I was wondering, where are they? Is this is this a, a, a preordained meeting, or did she just happen to be here? Did they know that this was where to go? It just brings back even more of the plot problems that I had with mm. the third one, in that... Sure, he can only come on land every ten years, but why can't he just stand in a puddle, <laughs> like on the shore, and meet her every week? Like it's not that much of a reunion that the boy, the, the like the ten-year-old boy or whatever, found his way onto the ship. Like it's really not that hard to do. No, it wasn't actually, was it? No, that's a good point. If the if the child can figure out how to get onto that ship, but you can't, she probably just couldn't be bothered. That's the thing. Salazar couldn't go on land. He could stand on the shore. That was perfectly yeah. fine. Why is it not fine for She's him? She's too good for that. She's anyway. too good to stand in the shore. <laughs> they didn't even have Hans uh, Zimmer back. Did they not? No. It was like someone who worked under him on the others took over to recycle some of the themes from before. That That's the thing is that I didn't even notice because it did just feel like recycling. Yeah, that's all it was. So, yeah, I don't know. Five out of ten. I, don't, I, I have very little... As much as we've talked about it for like 40 minutes, I, I have very little opinion on it either way. Well, we've talked about it for 40 minutes, but we've been repeating each other for 20. Yeah, that's true. So should we move on? Yeah, yeah. We can talk about uh, the Black Panther trailer if you want. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically just the Black Panther trailer is now out. And it's... I think people are just reacting exactly how I thought they'd react. Just with, this is really cool. I can't wait for it. Great. It, it I, felt I, I like a Marvel trailer. That's, yeah, exactly. It felt better than the last few, to be fair. Because it was a Marvel trailer that didn't give away loads of the plot. Or yeah. was just very all over the place. Like, it felt consistent. And I, I felt like I got a gist of what it's going to be. Mm. Roughly, as in, like, the location and the main players. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't feel like anything was spoiled. No, that's true. And I have now kind of... I've realised that for the last few Marvel films, I have enjoyed them more than the trailers made me think I was going to. I mm. think they've just got quite confident now and realised they don't need to put that much effort into the marketing. So I'm not like, worried or anything like that. It looked... Yeah, it looked okay. I, I, I'm interested in the location, because mm. when they just said, oh, it's just about him protecting, yeah, this third world country, it doesn't yeah. sc like scream cinematic yeah. at all. But they've kind of done this this weird twist where it's yeah, like they said, it's it's kind of the El Dorado of Africa. Yeah. And it's weird that it's it sort of seems like it's a futuristic society. Of it did, it kind. looked like Guardians at times. Yeah, it, it might, to me it looked a tiny bit like Asgard as well. Yeah. Like that sort of civilization. And to me it looks like it at least all off it might possibly offer something more interesting than the worlds of Ant Man or <laughs> uh Doctor Strange, despite yeah. the fact that Doctor Strange is literally the entire 
reality. It's, 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 it's as limited as someone's imagination could be. <laughs> and and they've set it all in grey skyscrapers, skyscraper yeah. cities. Did you did you like the music? Oh, I know. Yeah, the music, hip hop music. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Run the Jewels is the name of the band. If you want to listen to them, I know you want. To, I know you were desperate to look up that that hip hop track, Harrison. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I knew that you were going to say it was cool, or that you were going to. I like the music. I didn't. Oh, of course you wouldn't. You, you hate. Everything about youth culture. I thought you were going to say black culture for a second. <laughs> it's not <laughs> right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about besides uh, besides, besides getting angry that hip hop music exists in <laughs> cinema? I just really don't like it. Uh, yeah, there was something actually. I'm going to look up the exact details, but basically, uh, are you aware that of what Universal are calling their their universe for all of these um uh, these monster movies like the Mummy? Uh, only because you told me. So it's called the Dark Universe. Uh, so it, mm. it shares the the Mummy's the first film. I was a little confused about this because I thought is Dracula Untold part of this? Is that Frankenstein movie part of this? No, the Mummy's number one. So that's good because even if the Mummy's not very good, starting off on Dracula Untold would have been a bad sign. But <laughs> they have announced like the the list of films that are coming up. Uh, I don't know if it was a formal announcement or if it was more just... Uh, basically, I think what happened was that Alex Kurtzman talked about the plans in an interview. So, you know, it's coming from someone who's actually involved, but it wasn't like a, an official studio yeah, line. What, what position is Alex Kurtzman in? He's directed The Mummy. Okay. So it wasn't like a, a line-up announced by the studio or anything like a slate but it was the, right. the director of their first film talking about what's coming and they have they have dracula which i expected yeah the creature from the black lagoon which is the one i actually care about yeah. the invisible man which has got johnny depp as the invisible man oh, i remember that yeah. bride of frankenstein which comes before frankenstein um, okay the hunchback of notre dame uh, what okay and right. The Phantom of the Opera. How is the Phantom so, of the Opera going to fit in with this universe that has the mummy destroying London with its massive scale and plane crashes and Tom Cruise running through them explosions? Is the Phantom of the Opera going to be like that? They, well, they can do the small scale stuff and before they team up for Monsters Avengers. But they don't do that with these universe things. They, they've never done that. They all have to what, feel the same. I don't know what... Why why Hunchback of Notre Dame? <laughs> why not the Wolfman? Yeah, where's yeah. the Wolfman in all of this? Maybe they don't. Maybe they sold the rights to that. I don't think so because the most recent, the most recent Wolfman film was Universal. Oh, okay. The one in two thousand and ten with Benicio del Toro, who is gonna be Frankenstein. There was one in twenty ten. Yeah, uh, Joe Johnston. It's like this really expensive. $170 million um, horror movie remake. Jeez. It's all right, actually. Like, a lot of people hate it. Um, it's The problem with it is that like I think it was subjected to loads of reshoots and kind of like studio interference. And so it's like half kind of classy gothic horror and half really violent, really gory, campy, like, B-movie. Right. But I think it does both of those parts quite well. 
It's just that it really is quite jarring at times, but I quite like it. It's got really, really good uh, makeup effects and stuff, and like really good uh, expensive production design, which you don't see in many horror films. I, I don't mind that film. A lot of people hate it, and I don't know why. But anyway, that film was universal, so they must still have the rights to The Wolfman. I don't know. But why The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and why The Phantom of the Opera? I think The Phantom of the Opera, they might just do purely because people know the name, and because of the musical, and all of that now. So, I just don't see how that's going to fit with this universe. It would fit in a universe where they made them all as horror films, but The Mummy's not a horror film. Well, I think... Just because they are the universe doesn't mean they all have to connect, do they? I don't know. What What's the point if they don't? Uh, the point is that it's a marketing thing, I suppose. <laughs> yes. But I, uh, I just... I just even, even if they don't connect, just to think that this classy horror film it would be coexisting in the same universe as the Mission Impossible film, which is basically what The Mummy is. Yeah. It's just going to feel weird. Well, also, what what's scary about The Invisible Man? I don't know. I, He's invisible, that's it? I don't know. He is part of, like, the the, the old canon. Like, oh, back... yeah, I, d- I know that he's, like, included in that. Yeah. But I just don't know what's particularly spooky about him besides, like, he can lift up a cup and make it float or something. The Creature from the Black Lagoon is the one that I'm most excited for just because it's a cool monster. I think that could do well, like, in a in a modern remake. Yeah. As well. Like, if you got a good... Well, I was going to say, they, they won't do a good suit with it. They'll just do VFX. Yeah. But if you like, if you got a real expensive suit with yeah. really, like, detailed costuming, like, the, so, sort of like they're doing for the new Star Wars with some of those creatures, that I could really enjoy that. Yeah. No, that's... Well, that's... I, I just wish they were horror movies, because that would be... If, it, if that was being remade as a proper horror movie, which, for all we know, maybe it is, but... But I just, at the moment, I don't think that's what... I think these are all going to be massive action films. They're action adventure. Yeah. Well, adventure. Yeah. If The Creature from the Black Lagoon is being remade as a high-profile, proper horror movie, I would be so excited for that. Because it's the perfect thing to remake in that it's a cool idea with a cool monster, but the actual film itself isn't very good. And so there's actual scope to improve. And that's like... Yeah, and people won't be. You don't have to stick to the original, do you? Mm. You've got the character. The character is enough. The most distinct thing about that original film is just that it has all that underwater photography that that it's like really shoving down your throat because it was so revolutionary at the time. Right. And so, like every other scene, it's just people swimming, looking at rocks, and you're like, "Ooh, underwater." I think the only other thing that I have to talk about, um, we mentioned this before, was that I could uh, briefly talk about the Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so I played the first episode of that. I think the second episode has just come out. But it's if you like Telltale things, you'll like this, because it is exactly, exactly the same as all other Telltale things. They, they are becoming very proficient at reusing the exact same formula, but with different properties. So my enjoyment of this was basically based around whether or not you know, with a Telltale game, how much you enjoy it basically just becomes how much do you enjoy the characters that they're using this time. And <laughs> I like Guardians of the Galaxy, so it makes it more enjoyable to me than Walking Dead, just because I don't really care, particularly about the characters they made in that Telltale game. I found them all really boring. I know that that's sacrilege. Everyone thinks it's really emotional because at one point you get to choose how someone dies and that makes it that makes it intelligent. But it's a lot of these telltale things can be really dull if you don't have an investment in the characters or the world because it's walking around slowly 
asking boring questions and then making um, decisions that have limited uh, impact on the story because they need it to go in a specific way. So you need to have a connection to the universe that they're actually using. And in the case of Guardians of the Galaxy, I do. This one has the benefit of looking really nice. It's very colourful and bright and sometimes comic booky in a way that I think makes it visually impressive and gives it a sense of energy, especially when you're doing those long walking around looking at things parts. And they reuse the production design from the films. It's it's weird. It's not supposed to be based on the Guardians of the Galaxy films. It's 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 like an original take, but it's very clearly not because they have the awesome mix. The characters look the same. They go to nowhere, and it has like those yellow, you know, those orangey vats of yeah the the, yeah. the Drax falls into. That's there, but. So you think like, okay, so this is following on from the films, but then there are things that don't make sense. Like they meet the Collector for the first time, but they're already the Guardians of the Galaxy. They haven't met Nebula, but they've already defeated Thanos. They've already defeated Thanos? Yes. And yeah, they they do that in the the first 10 minutes of the game, which is something that the Marvel Cinematic Universe hasn't been able to do for 13 films or whatever. (laughs) Um, And like Peter Quill isn't abducted by Yondu, he he later meets Yondu and they have a conversation and he persuades him to go. So it, it's weird in that it's clearly based on the films, yeah. but not following the continuity of the films. Like they, they they even have Howard the Duck in it, which is definitely from the film. Yeah. So it's it's it feels like they're taking stuff that they like from the films, but going in their own original story, in their own original they, they can they feel free to change what they want to change to suit them. Which is fine. I don't mind that. What I do like about it is they mostly get the characters right, particularly Rocket and Groot, and their writing is quite good. Some of the jokes don't land, but I think the thing I appreciated was that they didn't try to be funny all the time. They knew that they didn't need to be throwing jokes at you every five seconds, and so it's never it never gets old when the jokes fall flat. You're not like, oh, another one. And there are some that are genuinely funny, particularly some of the uh, the sort of like hidden ones that you can find if you just do some explore exploration. So I liked the characters, I liked some of the writing, I like the way it looks, and they have done they've made an effort to make some of the exploratory sections a bit more interactive. Like when you're Peter Quill, you can now use the jet boots to fly up and down a level to explore, which makes it a little bit better than as we said, just wandering around. Oh, the cursor that that was the main problem that I had with the Walking Dead ones, is that you're walking around and you don't know kind of what you're aiming for. It's just kind of like you're meandering around because the only reason that I walk mm. around those areas is because I'm a bit of a completionist with games. Yeah, and I feel you like feel I don't want obligated. to miss anything. Oh, it's an obligation. Yeah, and he's trudging at like, <laughs> like yes. a metre an hour. And then it's just like, like to that. look at a cup or something and he'll go... Ooh, yeah. that's dirty and like great. I'm glad I walked yeah. all the way over there for exactly. that. Exactly, and it's and it's they repeat the exact same like interactions for every kind of yeah. object, and it just kind of gets so well. There's tired. There's a lot less of that in this one. Uh, there was I think it was like two moments that actually allowed that in this in this particular episode. Most of it was just conversations and and scripted scenes. Just sort of it was more like interactive cutscenes. So I was glad they limited that stuff, but they also made it more interactive. The best thing I think they did was uh, kind of focus on emotional development of the characters. And in particular, the way they use the awesome mix, they understand that it's not just throwing pop songs at you, that that it's 
actually connected to Peter Quill. And there's a song that they they kind of set up an emotional association with that they use again and again. And I thought that that worked really well. It was nice to see that they didn't do a Suicide Squad and just go, we use the songs because that's what worked. It was like they understood that they needed to use the songs properly. They understood that it needed to have some kind of connection to the characters. And I really liked that bit. And they also have some a few flashback sequences where you go back to Peter's childhood with his mother. And those bits worked really well and actually felt mildly emotional. So I liked that. The biggest problem that I had with it, besides that it's just business as usual for Telltale, is that I really do feel like already none of my choices matter. And I'm in episode one. But other, other than that, I think if you like Telltale... Sure, it's more of the same. And if you like Guardians, then I think it will work because you get to talk to the characters that you like. Cool. And so do you have a sense of where the story's kind of going for the next few episodes? No, or is it just... no not at no. all. Because the first half of the episode is basically after you defeat Thanos, the Guardians don't know what to do anymore. And they get into debt and they decide that they're going to sell Thanos' body. And the big choice of the episode is whether or not you sell it to the Nova Corps or you sell it to the Collector. Obviously, if you sell it to the Nova Corps, you get less money, but the collector's dodgy, and so you don't know what to do. And that's, like, the plot at the moment, is what right. that is them selling Thanos' body. It feels more like a sitcom episode, which I like. I like yeah. that, but but there's I have no real understanding of where it could be going for the next four episodes. Okay, that's, that's interesting, at least. Like, it's yeah. not just... I mean, I know you said that it's changed certain things, but it's not just recycling a plot no. from no. any of the other Marvel films or anything like that. No. Peter Quill's the character that they get... Apart from they do the flashbacks well and they do the um, the music well, which is obviously part of, is actually part of his character. That I feel like he's the character they get the least right because they sort of turn him into a slightly generic Han Solo type instead. Of, he 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 feels more arrogant and right. less funny. He's 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 significantly less likable. I think they get Rocket and Groot more or less dead on. Whoever's do, I think it's Nolan North who's doing the voice of Rocket in it. And he is clearly doing the impression of Bradley Cooper, but he does it quite well. They do Gamora right, and they do Drax differently, but well. So, I didn't mind that. Okay. But I did feel like that their, their main character was the one they did least well. Well, that, that again, that could improve over the episodes. But Hopefully, yeah. If it gets more interesting than most of the other Telltale games, they might be interested in it. I don't but... think it will. I think I think that all of the Telltale games that I've played are basically of the same quality. It just depends yeah. on how much you like the thing they're doing. It is just, at, it, at its high, it is just, yeah, the same game, different movie tie-in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But That's I why I think, that. I think my favourite's The Wolf Among Us, because it's original. Oh, I thought your favourite was Batman. Maybe. I don't know. It depends on, on the... Batman mechanically, but story-wise... The Wolf Among Us. Okay. They did. They, they tried to change it up a little with Batman. Oh, thank you very much for listening. That's kind of the end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> if you want to hear any other... <laughs> if you want to hear any other podcasts that we've done, we have them all on the channel as well as the uh, podcast feed. The other series that we do podcast-wise is uh, Backstory Scripts, and we should have uh, one coming out for the film It soon. Whether That, that will hmm. be already up or it will be coming out soon. <laughs> the three-hour is... epic that we did. Yeah, <laughs> that that, rec- that recording took a while. The, the, there's yeah. something about it that just means that everything has to go on forever, be it the book, the yeah. films, or even a discussion <laughs> of them. But that that was that again. I think that's both our most enjoyable series. So if you haven't 
yeah. listen to any of those before maybe try listening to uh, the one that we did on Alien Engineers. Uh, yeah. That was very popular. And uh, yeah, if you want to hear any of our other thoughts on films, that's all on the YouTube channel, Real Opinions. Uh, great. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, see you next time. I. That's better than your last one. So I'll give you that. Good. <laughs> it, was, it was unscripted as well. <laughs>